Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse Code and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals. Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch Merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse Code and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse Code and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Elizabeth as Princess Gwendolyn, Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano, alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse Code and Crown! 
So, as you'll recall, where we left our heroes, you'd arrived at the Bone Spur Mountains, uh, a massive um, mountain range that sprung up out of the ocean during the war with the Necrotists back in Amala, Kinsolaris's day, uh, destroying a fleet of the Apex Institute and uh, separating the world down the middle. Uh, now, in your timeline, you've arrived, um, having left uh, the the area of byproduct and the the former floating grounds of Orvel, uh, on your way to the Shadowlands, where you hope to learn more about the Shadow Mother and the assassins that have been um, hounding you since you left Orvel, and that seem to be somewhat responsible for the attack there. Your quest has brought you uh, to the icy shores of the Bone Spurs, where you found a small uh, expedition, um, the Danver Expedition, uh, led by Danver Enterprises uh, in an attempt to set up shop uh, across the mountains in a new land. However, their attempts to blast through the mountains were entirely unsuccessful, despite the best efforts of a master blaster uh, by the <laughs> name of uh, Vivaldi... Uh, Rock Smasher. Rock Smasher. So, be good name, Tom. Just have to say this abstractly. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Um, so, having made friends with Vivaldi and uh, Peachtree Olander, the uh, sort of heroic guide and expedition planner, uh, and made acquaintances with uh, Creed Danver, uh, his brother, his cousin, and an assortment of other gnomes, um, you found out that a monster was roaming the upper reaches of the mountains, preventing anyone from going up and over. Um, and uh, you decided that the only way to get uh, sort of the, the women, men, and children who were vulnerable amongst the expedition uh, across was to first deal with the monster. So after a harrowing climb, uh, you encountered the monster only to discover that it was not in fact an abominable snow orc, um, but a uh, uh, dawnbreaker of a sort. Um, the recently, the recently uh, deputized... Um, Shadlock, uh, Kin Stoop, yeah, <laughs> uh, who was an orc uh, member of the uh, third block fighters of Clan Stoop, uh, who seemed to be engaged in a massive conflict against Necrotus forces in something known as the Valley of Unending War. Uh, you also met his commander, uh, Captain uh, Rios Kin Brack, um, a uh, Dawnbreaker seemingly out of time <clears throat> from uh, three sort of just from the end of Amala's time, so kind of way back in the day, who seemed to have been leading this expeditionary force uh, for uh, close to a thousand years. Uh, as the war horns sounded, you realized that the gnomes you'd left behind were in great danger, as one of their own had died the night before uh, from an illness, and uh, all those that die in the mountains are doomed to join the uh, ranks of the Necrotus army. Uh, and as a result, um, you heroically uh, ran back towards the camp, uh, setting up a nice, easy way for you to return uh, to assist um, Rios and his troops uh, against the Necrotus forces once you've dealt with the situation back at camp. However, upon arriving back at camp, you discovered that Turfel, uh, the gnome who had died the night before, uh, was in fact standing watch. And we find ourselves tonight on this adventure uh, with the three of you staring at uh, an extended hand of a dead gnome. Uh, so Turfel just kind of looks at, at the, the three of you. He's uh, sort of a middle-aged gnome. Uh, he's, he's got that like weird um, kind of like 
half-balding situation going where he's managed to comb it over decently well, but it doesn't really work. But also, what what else is a gnome to do? Uh, and he's got uh, just a, a small pair of uh, square spectacles kind of on the bridge of his nose. Um, and he, he coughs into his sleeve and then says, Ah, sorry about that. Uh, but yes, um, and, and I'm sorry, um, I, I didn't get the names of the three of you. I am Duncan Kindano. This is Princess Gwendolyn of Orville, and this is Marka Deathcap, the gravekeeper of the Tortles of Bleen. Could you take us to see uh, Creed Danver? Oh, of course, uh, Mr. Danver, absolutely. Uh, my name is uh, Turfle. I don't have a, a kin thing. Um, just just Turfle, formerly of Eastmouth, and uh, hopefully soon to be of the Wooden Coast. <laughs> All right, come on, I'll, I'll, come, uh, I'll come get Creed for you. Um, so he comes through the camp, he's waving to people, and they're waving back, um, and, uh, over by the fire, um, Vivaldi is trying to explain his most recent plan to blast through, um, and, uh, it's the one that, uh, Ryan, uh, you saw him working on earlier, um, and, uh, uh, Turfle kind of, uh, is, is still coughing a lot as, as he comes up, um, and, uh, he just kind of taps... Um, Creed on the shoulder, and Creed just kind of like raises a hand dismissively, but as he looks over his shoulder, he sees the three of you, and he goes, oh, and he kind of like pushes Turfle out of the way, and he's like, mm. ah, you're back. So what success did you have with the famed Beast of the Mountains? And I look to the princess, and I'm like, I really thought everyone wouldn't know us, and this is one of those. Have you seen that traveling play called Groundhog Day, where it's the man going through the same day over and over again? But they remember us. I have. Um, question. Why isn't Turple evil? We don't know. Uh, Turfle, what do you all remember happening last night? Um, well, uh, it's a night like any other, uh, except that you all showed up, which was great. It's very mm -hmm. exciting. Uh, my, my daughters were very excited to, uh, to make you those cloaks. Uh, and then, um, well, it was either last night or the night before... Or maybe it was the night before. But regardless, um, some recently you, you all arrived, which is great. Uh, but then you set off to slay the beast. And we, we've just been waiting patiently for your return. And uh, Vivaldi here has been working on a way to blast through those rocks uh, as he does. So um, that, that's what we've been up to. Um, why? Declan has one hand like under his coat and his cape just like on the handle of one of his daggers. And he's like, so this may seem terribly blunt. But when we were here this morning, Turfle had died and you buried him in a cairn. And then we went in and we found out there's necromancer stuff going on. And now Turfle is just sick but not dead. Whoa, whoa. I mean, Turfle's condition has been getting worse. But, um, I mean, look, he's he's been standing watch this evening. I, I don't see any, any problems with him. Why is it that you... Remember us leaving, but you do not remember Turfle's death. Hmm. I, I I can't tell. I mean, Turfle's fine, so I, <clears throat> uh, like I, 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 like he's he's right there. Yeah, but think really hard. And he just kind of looks at you and shrugs <clears throat> and says, "Yeah, no, he's right there." Okay, mm. let me take a different tack here. How many years has it been since Amala Kinsalaris died? Amala Oh, you mean that, that uh, uh, the, the lady from all the, the history stories that, that everyone's always on about? The, the yes. human woman, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. how, right? Many, how many years has it been since we overthrew the Necrates? 
the necrotist. Oh, that's such ancient. I don't. I, 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 hang on, uh, Damon. Damon, you 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 care about this this sort of stuff. Uh, they, they have questions about history, and uh, so um, Damon comes trotting over, and he like adjusts his tie that he's still wearing under his jacket, even though it's kind of ratty. And he says, "Ah, well, um, uh, lady, uh, gentle turtle, gentleman, uh, what what can I answer you about history?" How many years has it been? Approximately, I don't need exact, but how many years has it been since the Necrotus was defeated? Oh, about a thousand. Although there is some debate about the exact date uh, that Asher was uh, defeated in single combat by uh, Amalekin Solaris. You see, um, amongst the history, and he just starts like launching into the like. There are four sources that all report it slightly differently, but um, okay. So these people are our generation of people, which makes me think if they've been living here, but it's not. Death energy. I don't know magic. I mean, Maka, you technically are the only one of us who knows magic. Technically, Princess, I think you have the most magic in you, arguably, at the moment. Could it be that they're repeating, like, a battle over and over in the middle, and it's sort of just, like, lessening as they get further away? Yes. Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, maybe these folks just arrived. I would like to speak with Peachtree, someone who leaves the gnome encampment on a regular basis. That is a wise choice. Already, Great uh, idea. Can, can we see her, Tom, or we'll be like, hey, uh, go visit. she's kind of like um, out on the ice, but they, they can call her back easily enough. They like um, they have to use a torch to do it, but they, they do the little um, mirrored glass thing. Uh, and then she kind of whips whips the dogs and uh, and, and comes back. In, and she gets off, and she's clearly tired. Like, she's covered in snow. She's clearly been out there um, all day. Um, but what's interesting is, as you watch her approach, uh, it's all, like, it's like pitch black out there. But as she approaches, and you can kind of see the, the lantern swinging off um, the uh, the dog sled, um, you can actually see that um, it's reflecting off of um, sort of massive uh, dunes on either side of her that are much, much higher than you remember them being. Is it snowing? It is not. It's a perfectly clear night. There's oh, no moon. Damn it. This is time dilation. I've heard about this. Time in the rest of the world might be going faster than the middle. You know how they think it's been a thousand years? But out here, they're from our time. What if they haven't been fighting for a thousand years? What if they've been fighting for like a week or, or a year, but it's been a thousand years? So it's like a thousand years out there. Like if so, if we were to like look in here from out the outside, they'd be moving in like slowly. Like no, they'd be moving really fast because they have. Oh no, really? I guess really slow. Okay. Actually, this is a hard concept to deal with abstractly. <laughs> but you're right. I'm wrong. What you are describing does not explain Turful. Hmm. He yep. died. Correct. Mm. Right. And All no right. One has Sh- memory of it. Should we just tell Peach Tree the whole truth about what's going on inside? Like, I don't know what secrets we need to keep. She is an explorer. Hmm? She may have insight into these 
strange happenings. And it might be worth including Vivaldi in this. He understands explosives and maybe other forms of science. Also, between the two of them, I think they're actually in charge. I do not need to hear another speech about textiles. What about Damon? He's a history buff. No, you remember how long he talked? I don't want to deal with that. Also, he'll tell Creed. And remember how much Creed talked? I don't think he has a lot for us to learn from him. Right. Right. You're right. Um, so with that, the three of you make your way out onto the ice um, and you intercept uh, Peachtree before she comes back. You bring Vivaldi with you. Um, and I think you just kind of like uh, tuck in near the door to the to the encampment, but just a ways out. Um, and uh, Vivaldi just uh, goes like, um, oh, uh, pardon me, one minute. And he just like digs around in a, in a bag and he just uh, pulls out like um, some small what look like metal filings. He just tosses them down on the ground. They immediately ignite into green flame. Uh, and he starts toasting his hands. Um, and um, he said, I, I thought we might want a, a bit of uh, warmth and, and light for our clandestine conversation. Hmm. Mm. Master Dwarf, you are a gift from the god of justice to the world. And I'll thank you for using my native tongue again. <laughs> and Anyway, um, what is it you wanted to speak about? Um, and Peachtree's like, Oh, uh, yeah, I gotta tell you, I'm pretty, pretty spent. You mind making this a bit fast there, guys? All right, this is an awkward moment. So I'm going to ask the two of you for the next ten minutes to just listen and not interrupt. Uh, Tom, I would like to just jump 10 minutes and we told them everything that's happened to us. <laughs> I am okay with that. Imagine a lot of nodding. So you unfold the story to them as you understand it, along with, I'm going to say, your theories. Yeah. Um, so I will roll, I'm going to roll for the two of them um, because I want to make sure that mechanically this isn't just a conversation with the DM. Yeah. I was going to say, does all he- right. I rolled very well for both of them. So both of them have insight on this. All right. Um, uh, should we share each of our theories and then hear their insight? Or how do you want to do this? Yeah, just let's for do structure. That. Okay, cool. I mean, Duncan's kind of already gone. But I think so. D- my idea when it comes down to it is I'm thinking we've got deadly necrotist magic that's causing like revival and necromantic renewal at the center of the island. And it gets weaker as it goes out. And maybe it's fucking with time around the edges just because if you're recharging and not, it would have different levels. Or it's like you bring a necrotist back and they stay a necrotist. I don't know. Mm. And then I'll look to Marka be like, what about you, Sire Tortle? I do not know the nature of this magic. All I know is that the cycle of life and death is being threatened, and on this island it is being halted. Hmm. Yes, the dead rise again as undead, and perhaps now other cycles are being affected. The cycle of time, hmm. the cycle of memory. Hmm. Strange. Princess, do you have a theory? What are your thoughts? All right, I'm just just going to share my thoughts. Um, so there are people who are, like, climbing to the top of the mountain and, and then, like, dying and becoming part of the horde 
and then the becoming like evil attack under the command of the necrotist or major whoever it is and then the people down here are coming back to life too but they're not bad so are people just coming back and it's only that like the people that whoever bad person knows about they become bad too and just i i don't know so if they're near the enemy the enemy is the one bringing them back but if they don't know about them it's the island bringing them back also i'm just thinking they're just being brought back no matter what like it's not it's not like the the person the evil person there is like so it's not necrotist bringing them back revival it's just revival but even the mountains reviving all right, so interesting. All right, so, friends, we've had the longest time to sit on this, but I feel like we might be a little bit too close to it. What do you see from the outside? Um, so, uh, Vivaldi uh, has been stroking his beard, like, up and over his head the whole time. Uh, normally, he'd stroke it down, but given that it's tied up, it's like a weird, like, like he's, like, stroking uh, bunny ears up and over. <laughs> um, and uh, he, he's he been nodding along, Um and uh, he says, it is uh, very interesting to me that you have brought this up. Um, uh, you see, uh, I, I have been, I brought uh, many resources with me uh, as a, uh, a blaster, ma- no, uh, how you say, a master blaster. Ha! Um, the, it is very important for me to keep the, uh, the, the and he, he eventually just drops into common. He's like, he kind of waves apologetically at the two of you. He's like, uh, I've dwarven, been keeping... Dwarven? Dwarven, dwarven. yes. Yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll do the running, like, UN commentary yeah, to you guys as um, it goes, so you still get it. I can't gotcha. I can't keep the accent straight, so he's going to speak calm for a bit. Um, <laughs> I'm like, he's everywhere in Europe. Don't worry about it. Uh, no. So he... Um, I basically says, um, I, I've been keeping track, careful track, of all the supplies I've brought with me, and I, I've enlisted the help of uh, Gregor as well to just m- keep track of everything that's been, been going on here. Uh, and it made no sense to me until what you just said just now, because I brought more than enough uh, graphing paper to tide me over for this entire expedition. I've been on many expeditions longer than this, and I've never run out. Um, I've always made sure to have extra on me at all times, and I couldn't for the life of me understand why I'd run out. But if what you say is true... And based on my calculations of how much I brought with me and how many wood planks I've used in, in the meantime, as well as how much powder I have left, because I brought far too much of that as well. It doesn't take much, and he points to the green burning. Um, and, uh, it doesn't take nearly as much as I've gone through. By my calculations, that means we have been here for... And he kind of like sucks air through his teeth for a second uh, as he, he does the math, and he's like, 30 years... Thanks for supporting the Fable and Folly Network. Here's another show we know you'll love. Every day in the nice little Canadian town of Beaver Mount, Ontario, is pretty much the same. Folks are polite, there's a hockey game that evening, and someone gets brutally murdered. Sorry About the Murder, a very Canadian murder mystery podcast. New episodes weekly. Listen to season one now by typing Sorry About the Murder into your favorite podcast app. Ah, bello! And Peachtree um, just kind of shakes her head 
uh, uh, and goes out. Oh, this is uh, no, no. We've just been here for for um. Well, we left back in. Uh, we left back in. And then we we, we arrived, and there was the uh, and the owl bears, and uh, then they stopped. And that was a while back. Well, fuck me. How long have we been here? Um, so the two of them kind of put their heads together on that. Um, Peachtree doesn't have any, uh, doesn't have anything to track it with, but she is aware she ran out of supplies a long time ago. She actually actively can't remember when anymore. Um, and she says, uh, but about, uh, what the, the, the princess was saying, uh, that struck a chord with me because we've lost people. We've lost a ton of people on all these, these expeditions going going up and over, and the, there was the beast and the winds, and they, they fell and they died, but I can't tell you who any of them are. And then she looks at the, the dog sled, and she's like, and we, we lost dogs, but there are six. There's just enough to pull the sled. There's as many as we brought. But I know I've seen them dead. I remember. But there are six. Um, so they're both just completely vexed, but also don't think you're crazy. So something here is bringing people back and changing the way the system works. There is magic suffusing this island, according to Maka. There is a pattern that people cannot escape. And soon it would appear that even we, the newcomers, will be trapped within it. Hmm. There is one thing we can change in these days, which is the war against the army of the Necritus in the center of the, the valley of unending war. If we can turn the tide and find the mage at the center, maybe that's the only way to save the day. And here we have a master of explosives. We have it's the explorer and survivalist extraordinaire. The powerful magic is emanating from that valley. Hmm. We should And go. the sword of Elos reacted to it and sang. Hmm. Hmm. Um, you can see Vivaldi kind of nodding along um, and he's like, uh, this, this plan, this plan makes sense to me. I, to blow up something would be excellent because <clears throat> as we say in, in Dwarven, Fuck this! And he boots the the fire in, in kind of uh, rage, and the little um, kind of uh, aluminum shards that were burning um, kind of flicker up through the air as he does so, and they hit the snow dune, and um, they sort of sizzle and hiss and melt, and then they stop, and they just continue to sizzle and hiss. Um, and as you kind of step forward to get a better look, uh, you can see. Um, that underneath the dune there seems to be a small ridge made of stone. Uh, a naturally occurring like ridge. It, look, in the it looks like or? what you what you climbed. Like it, it looks like one of the mountains, like part of the mountains. Ah, oh, damn it! They're growing. And if the spurs are growing, then the power here is getting stronger. We need to bring an end to these fucking mountains right away. Right. Yes. Now, we just have to make sure that we don't get caught up in this whatever twisted cycle is going on. I don't want to be stuck here for a thousand years. 
Well, the nice thing is, we're either going to be successful or we won't know. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah, I mean, it fucks the world right over, but. Well, if the fine. bone spurs are growing, the world is in a whole different pile of shite. So if we cut through this Gordian knot, if we can get to the center of the magic and we can bring the warrior gnomes and the master dwarf blaster with us, this may be the only shot we have to untangle the mystery. Because whatever is at the center, Maki, you said there were two kinds of magic involved, not just one? More than one, I can't say how many. I want to break this unholy partnership. Hmm. I can kill one magic, deal with another, kill them both. I... I am ready to return to the orc camp. Hmm. I am ready to face what is in that valley. And Maka will turn around and start walking. Well, I guess I'm with the turtle on this one, but we should probably slow him down in case you guys want to bring anything. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to go after Maka and just be like, Maka, this is awkward, but can you heal Turfle? Because if we break this pattern, he's going to die tonight forever. Mm. He is unwell. He is sick. It may not be my place to save him. Hmm? If the spell is broken and the cycle will continue, he will die and break down as he is meant to. Hmm. It is good in its way. So you're saying that your healing philosophy includes combat wounds, but not illness? <coughs> it seems to me Turfel was to die some time ago. Hmm? These people have been here for over 30 years. I have healed you hmm? and Gwendolyn and myself. We are on a mission to right the unnatural wrongs of the world. It would be unnatural for Turfel's life to carry on longer than it was meant to. Hmm. Yes. I don't know, Sire Turtle. I don't believe when we have science and we have the ability to help those that don't have the gifts that we have that we can let it go. Hasn't he been cursed to live a life he should not have led for 30 years? And couldn't we just give him back the life that he deserved? The chance to be something more? The chance mm -hmm. that they don't get to decide that he dies here? For we don't know where the Necrotis' involvement began. We don't know what this magic has caused. I will speak with Turfel on this. Hmm. Perhaps... I will gain some insight, and I will pray to Jossi for guidance as well. Mm, yes, mm. I believe Maybe. that would I believe that would be fair, Sire Tortle. If it's something terminal he's had for a long time, and you would not heal it otherwise, I cannot make you, but I will do what I can for the gnome. Make your preparations, Duncan Kindano, mm. for when I finish with Turfel one way or another. We make for the Valley of Unending War. And Maka will walk away. 
Sure. So we can count all of this as a long rest. Um, even though you're technically doing things, I feel like it's inactive enough that you can... Uh, maybe we'll call it a short rest? Short, short rest. rest? Okay. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. So spend those hit dice. <laughs> oh, someone's saying, hey, Google? Uh, yeah, uh, Google is telling me what hit dice are. Let's <laughs> go let this play out. Well, I gotta be careful, because I said the magic phrase in this room, and I've got one of those. Yeah. Incidentally, good to know D&D Beyond is hooked up through the device that I won't mention by name, so it doesn't talk to me again. Oh. Cool. Uh, if this wasn't an audio medium, that would be super helpful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if anybody's wondering about sounds in the background, we all live with partners and other people in a quarantine environment, so you may occasionally hear people <laughs> living their lives nearby. And that's just yeah. part of the circle and part of the cycle. You know, praise <laughs> the cluster. <laughs> Life the cluster of people living on top of each other. <laughs> yeah. Under you a can't pandemic, call leave a house. And cluster on. Yeah. Um, a pandemic that Maka would be fully understanding and philosophically in support yeah. of. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, so, um, Maka, you make your way back into camp and you see Turfle kind of uh, back at his, his guard post. Uh, and he's, you know, coughing away, but um, he's, uh, he's he seems to be all right. He, you know, takes out a, a like a canteen um, and uh, just kind of looks at it for a second. And then he just like recaps it and sticks it back in his, his pocket. Hello, Turful. Oh, uh, hi there. Uh, did you, you found Creed okay, right? Mm, yes, we will be heading back up. The cliffside once again very shortly. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling great, so there'll probably be someone else on uh, on duty when you get back. But uh, I'm sure they'll wave you through. You're you're pretty recognizable. Mm-hmm. How long have you been un unwell, Turfle? Oh, just uh, just since arriving here. This this cold climate really doesn't uh, agree with me. You know, uh, Eastmouth is uh, it, it's damp, but it's not uh, it's not frozen. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Mm. Come, come here, Turful. And I want to have my hands open for him to, to come and kind of into into my embrace so I can get He kind of like him. looks at you strangely. He's like, uh, I'm, listen, I'm not really a hugger. I'm more of like a, a high five guy. So he raises a hand for a high five. Okay, great. Uh, so he's close enough for a high five. So now I am basically just like putting my hands like on his face to like, look, like <laughs> pry his eyes open and stuff like that. And like, yeah. and like. And just like she ah and stuff like that. <laughs> ah! Uh, there you, you are, Turfle. <laughs> My marbles. Uh, can you roll a medicine check, please? Yeah. It's not good. It is gonna be a nine. Nine. Um, you can't really like you, you don't really know gnome physiology at all, um, mm -hmm. and you don't really have access to your normal stuff. Um, from the way he's coughing, you can definitely hear that uh, there's something wrong with his lungs. Um, if you were to venture a guess, it would be based on the cold. Um, it might have like a pneumonia type variant. Okay. Um, but that's about all you can get with a nine. Okay. Tell me, Turful. Once you make it over the mountain. Hmm? To the other side, what will you do with your life? Um, he he kind of like leans in conspiratorially and he's like, um, 
The uh, I, I've worked for uh, uh, for Danver Enterprises for a long time, uh, Mr. Tortle, and um, uh, you you may have gathered Creed isn't the most likable fellow, and uh, quite frankly, our, our business suffered for it. So um, I'm looking forward to to starting fresh and getting a chance to to live life out of the shadow of of uh, Mr. Creed. If you, if you don't. And he like leans in very conspiratorial. He's like, "I don't plan on staying with the company once we get there. I'm gonna I'm gonna start my my own business of some sort. I'm not quite sure what yet. I'm just gonna kind of figure out what what the people there need, and then I'll I'll just do that and hopefully start a family. But if not, at least I'll have have left my stamp before I you know before I go. Hmm. But if I'd stayed in Eastmouth, I just I don't feel like I was a part of anything there. You know, hmm. I just I get know. up, I'd go to work. It wasn't really living. I'm looking forward to living. I know this feeling of. Not being a part of something. It is wonderful to feel... To feel... Like you are part of a collective. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was missing. It just kind of felt like... If, 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 I, if I died suddenly, it's like they wouldn't notice. And they could just replace me with a sexy lamp or something. And it would be fine. It wouldn't change anything. Um, with my hands still kind of cupping his face, mm-hmm. um, I just want to... Um, tap into the cluster um, mm-hmm. for if I can't get a spot on like physiological read on what his ailment is, I just want to know what the cluster has to say. Um, um, you get the sense that his affliction is based purely on environment. Mm-hmm. Um, this place has made him sick. Okay. Um, otherwise, he seems to be healthy. Um, he's middle-aged. He doesn't seem to be in particularly great shape, uh, but nor is he uh, he just seems incredibly average. Um, if you were to venture a guess, kind of with cluster vibe going, um, you know, he's he's probably got a decent amount of life ahead of him, barring accident um, or another yeah. illness. But it's not, I think, in terms of the way you've been thinking about it, this isn't like he's reaching the end of his road mm-hmm. and kind of like this is a natural part of the cycle. It's he's been stuck here for longer than he should have, and he's suffering as a result. Okay. Um, with my hand still cupped to his face, I'll cast Lesser Restoration uh, to cure disease. Uh, so as the spores kind of fly into his face, he's like, oh no, I'm allergic to spores! Uh, and he starts uh, like coughing and, and hacking, uh, and then he, he um, stops coughing very suddenly. Um, and it's almost like surprises him. Uh, and he, he takes a deep breath, uh, and he's like uh, Chief Wiggum when he accidentally gets cured of asthma by uh, <laughs> the uh, stuff. He's like, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Oh wow, that is much better. You are you're a really good doctor, Doctor Turtle. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh maybe I'll open a clinic. Maybe maybe I can do that too. You just put your hands on on the side. He puts his hands on the side of your face. He's like put your hands on the side of uh someone's face, and then you just like feel good about them. Is that is that, is that all it takes? Mm. No, there is more. No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right, all right. Do so I got some stuff to learn, but you know, I'll I'll figure it out when I get there. Maybe I can ask the root folk. Uh, may, maybe they can teach me some of their ways. That might be fun. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do be sure to leave this place as soon as you can. Turtle. Oh, Doctor Turtle, I would like to leave yesterday. This I feel like we've been here for ages. I I just want to get out of here. You cannot get on with your life until you leave this place. I agree. I would I would love to go. Mm, this this sucks. This I sucks very much. What I can do to help you with that. Well, thanks. You just go put your hands on whatever side of the problem it is and just 
you do your thing, Dr. Turtle. I salute you. No, um, no thank you. No thanks needed. You have been given time that you will pay back eventually. Everyone does. And Maka, like, walks away, thinking those are, like, reassuring words. Yes. Yeah. Turf of yeah. life. So walks away and, like, kind of raises the bow. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, you gather up um, Vivaldi grabs kind of um, essentially his, like, fast travel explody pack. Um, and what? Uh, So just, like, it, he can't bring barrels with him, but he's got, oh. like... Sorry, yeah, fast he, travel exploding back made it sound like he just explodes himself up the. <laughs> yeah, that's no, I'm sorry. It's less thinking too. I'm sorry. It's, it's less the, exciting. The most medieval term for a jetpack ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, it's just, just like a fucking pack. straight up Donkey Kong Country like barrel rocket pack. Yeah. Uh, no, no, he just he has like um, I think like if you've ever seen those like little tabletop distillery kegs that are just like small, almost the size of like a big. Uh, coffee travel mug, yeah, um, like a Baba size one. It's it's that. So he's got like a bunch of little powder kegs that he just kind of like hangs off hooks. Um, so he's kind of like laden down with those, and um, he just has like a variety of of weird things kind of sticking out of his pack um, and like out of the backs of his gloves and like tied into his beard. And he's like, I, I have I have brought everything I can. Now we go, um, and uh, peach tree. Uh, just like she comes over uh, and um, she's like well left out a bunch of meat for the dogs still don't have any ammo fuck it ready to rock Um, and the two of them kind of stand by uh, waiting your orders Dum-dums and dice would like to welcome you to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I am Inquisitor Caveat Ventus, keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and I'm releasing my report on the Valentine Heresy. It's an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. Join Ryan LaPlante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, and Laura Elizabeth and Tyler Hewitt as Hivebred siblings Lyric and Alto, as this unlikely trio try to save the Emperor from a cabal of mysterious enemies in a series created by games master Tom McGee. Can these unlikely heroes survive in a galaxy where there is only war? Find out in the first episode of Warhammer 40,000 The Valentine Heresy. Available now. Alright, I'm imagining it's time for us to go, friends. It's time we will go climb the cliff, get back to the Valley of Unending War, and see if anyone remembers us. Alright. <laughs> uh, so, with, with that exciting, heroic uh, <laughs> sigh of frustration, you make your way back up the cliff. The winds are just as bad, um, but kind of knowing what you're you're prepared for, you, you help your, your dwarf and gnome companion as well. And um, the five of you uh, kind of trudge um, back down uh, the way that um, you were taken previously um, by, by Shadlock. 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 Yeah. Um, name. So he brings you down uh, sort of the, the long, tw- or sorry, you, you traveled a bit down the long twisting path that he, he guided you through. Um, and you can hear the sounds of, of battle in the distance. Um, uh, the sort of sound of um, sort of swords clashing, and you can tell that what probably started as a ranged fight has um, degenerated into just pure bloody hand-to-hand combat. Um, so 
what is your approach to this? As you you approach the caves, um, you see um, that uh, they're they're empty, but almost look ransacked. Like ransacked? Uh, yes. Um, Interesting. I guess we should, if they've been ransacked, we should try to clear the caves. First. Or where the battle is like should we go to the battle and watch so, from the sides to see if we can spot a mage roll me roll me a perception check please on the cave or an investigation that'll be perception for Maka. 16 okay um it seems not like they were looted but more like people have been rushing back grabbing things and then running back into combat so like weapons oh, okay. racks are knocked over mm. um things have been like there's there's clearly like a field hospital in a corner that's been pretty badly turned over, um, but uh, it looks more like people have been coming back all night. Um, like the fight's been going on since you left. Okay. Um, and I think we're probably like early morning ish now. Uh, we spent the evening making preparations. You're all tired but still functional. Uh, yeah. Could- I don't know what anyone else is thinking, but we know they've said if you get into the battle, you can't spot the plague mage. They don't know what they're doing. What if we skirt it? We just stay far enough back we can observe and try to spot a commander or someone using a lot of magic or something. Is there a high point we can get to? Um, The valley itself is actually very difficult to observe. Um, You came from a high point uh, and kind Mm -hmm. of followed a twisting path. From up there, it's just... You can just see the broken trees. Like they, they, unfortunately, the trees are are tall enough that they provide cover. You can see things moving am, amongst them, but it's very difficult to get a get an eye on it. Um, but if you want to like circle around the valley, um, you could try and do that. Um, it's just from where you were, you will have no luck. Well, I agree. We shouldn't just like march into the fray. So should we circle around and try to crawl up the enemy's arse? Yes. Very few people defend their arse adequately. Maka like points to his shell and is like, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a, very few humans are prepared. A, a turtle-shaped exception to every rule. <laughs> um, so you... Uh, you start making your way around the edge. Um, can you guys roll me, please, a stealth check? All three of you. That's a 12. Not 20. And I am a 17. Great. You guys are hella stealthy. Um, I think uh, you'll leave Vivaldi and Peachtree back uh, since, like, Peachtree can kind of give you some advice. She kind of, like, points to a, a spot across the valley, and she's like, that's probably a best bet I'd aim for there. And she gives you one of the little shiny mirror uh, coins uh, to signal signal her. So if you need them, you can signal, and they'll they'll make their way around. Um, I think you probably also have an order to Vivaldi. If it's just like if it's this signal, blow up wherever you are. Like set some bombs and run, uh, and just foobar. Bye. Um, so you make your way um, through the trees. You can still hear the sounds of battle and, and screams and um, injuries and war cries. Um, Eventually, you make your way to the the far edge of the the valley, and you realize you're starting to enter Necrotist territory. Uh, The trees here have been um, cut away and turned into, um, like, um, pikes, like a a pike wall um, that is at at odd angles and just very, very difficult to navigate. But because you have time and no one's guarding it, it's it's a little bit easier um, 
to navigate through, um, you can see that a lot of the snow has been melted away by fire um, to kind of set up a, a proper staging ground. And there seem to be um, almost like, um, uh, like kind of like log cabins with kind of like dirt and stuff packed into the, the walls um, that have been, uh, been set up. Um, so you can still hear the, uh, the sort of like, um, uh, sounds of battle, um, when all of a sudden you hear a twig snap, uh, near you just beyond the barricade. And as you, with, with the, the number, the, with the scores you roll on those dice, you're like good to kind of drop into, to hiding spots. Um, and you see, uh, your very first, uh, Necrotus soldier, um, they're wearing, um, charred black armor. Um, so it's, uh, it's like, um, a burnt black, um, and have a, uh, distinctive kind of, uh, like essentially, um, skull painted across their, their, whatever their helmets are. Um, it's a way of making non-uniform uniforms seem uniform, if that makes any sense. So, mm-hmm. um, it's ever, each kind of dead soldier wears their, their previous gear, but they're all unified in like the uh, the skull marking, and then they seem to have kind of additional white uh, rank insignia kind of painted on their their arms. Um, you see a, um, a an orc in armor very similar to the uh, and possibly a member former member of the third fighting block, um, kind of start to edge into view, uh, and then you're surprised um, to hear what sounds like sobbing. And um, you can see the orc is uh, dragging um, an elf uh, who is uh, has, has dragging the elf by one arm. Um, and uh, the elf is similarly wearing charred black armor. Um, its helmet, uh, her helmet's been like half scored off and part of her skull is missing. Um, and uh, you can hear her um, kind of uh, moaning in, in a strange tongue. Uh, that sounds to your ears like several tongues speaking simultaneously. It's that kind of horrible mythos stuff. Um, and uh, the the orc is is sobbing as he as he pulls her back towards one of the uh, the cabins, speaking in this this same voice. So the elf is also clearly Necrotus. It's not like yes, dragging no, they're a both, captive. They're both Necrotus. Um. In what? a hushed tone, Maka will turn to Gwendolyn and uh, Duncan and uh, say, uh, this is not typical behavior of an undead warrior, no? Weeping. Hmm? I mean, I've never, I've, I've never met an undead warrior, but I, I, this does seem strange. I, I, should we follow them? I've only heard I've only heard myths, so I don't know if they're... They're not zombies, clearly, but I don't know what the Necrotist was like. This is thousands of years ago. All I know is dread hosts. And, I mean, the skull thing sort of adds up. Um, you're, all three of you are slightly alarmed to hear uh, a, a soft singing sound as uh, the Elos Blade vibrates actively uh, and begins to... Uh, glow isn't the right term, um, but it's almost like um, an oil slick on water um, starts to kind of um, like ripple across almost? the blade. Sorry, like shimmering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, just it's it's not that the surface itself is changing, but it's that kind of coloring running up and down the blade. 
Oh, damn it, it did that last time. I don't think we can actually hide it anywhere near Necrotis forces. We can follow them, but we're going to have to kill anything because if that thing starts really singing, the jig is up. Yeah, what the hell? (laughs) I would like a closer look. Stay here. And Maka will start crawling towards the cabin that this this couple were were dragged into or, or this orc sure, dragged yep. the elf into. Um so um Maka you you sneak up to the the edge of the, the, the cabin and you can see that weirdly it's uh it looks less like a hospital and um more like a like a chop shop. Like there's saws and um, heavy metal implements, uh, but also oddly body parts um, hanging uh, from the walls. And you see the orc um, kind of like dump the elf onto a table. um, And uh, he quickly like grabs a spool um, and starts like pulling out um, string, basically twine. And he chops it uh, and he quickly starts like looting through a box that seems to have um, fragments of bone. Um, and, uh, you can see he's very clearly, like, looking for something to replace the part of her head that's, that's been knocked off. And he just keeps turning, turning back to her and saying something in in the tongues. Um, and you can see that she's starting to spasm. Hmm. I am so confused by what I'm seeing. Um. Can I cast... Uh, detect magic on them specifically. Sure. Yep. Um, so you kind of reach out um, and you you get a bit of that reverb uh, effect. They seem to be part of a cluster, but it's not yours. Hmm. I'm just back watching him waiting for a signal, basically. Yeah. So um, the orc um, finally finds something roughly the shape he was looking for, um, and he kind of locks it down over um, her head, and then he starts, like, um, rooting through what looks like just a bunch of of, um, fabric and leather, and finally finds a strip and starts sewing it quickly um, onto her forehead. I I think I want to watch him go through this process. Okay. I want to see what the end result is. So you see him sew half of it on, uh, and then he grabs kind of a, a paste, and he starts like rubbing the paste under uh, the flap and also around the, the edge of the, the broken skull. It mm-hmm. doesn't quite fit, but it, it seems to be good enough. And then he quickly sews it up, um, and then he rubs more of the paste around the uh, the, the edge, um, and he, he just kind of like puts both of his hands um, on her chest uh, and seems to be kind of saying things that you, I think, as as a physician would understand, are essentially the "Don't you die on me?" Okay. Words, um, and then the uh, the body rattles one more time and uh, falls completely still, um, and he lets out a, just a wail and and like punches the table, um, mm. and just kind of like collapses backwards um, to a se- seated position. Just kind of staring in in frustration and disbelief at the the table. Uh, I'm gonna sneak back to the the group. Okay, uh, uh, Duncan and Gwendolyn, what do you think you were doing during this time? 
I think Duncan was just hands on weapons watching like the area more so than anything else. Because if somebody was going to walk up to end up on top of Mr. Tortle, then Duncan would have had to try to take them out silently. Um, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you've you've seen um, a couple of Necrotists at distance running up to various buildings. Um, you saw one with a bow kind of limp into a building and then just like come roaring back out with like a fistful of arrows. Um, it seems like they're in the same, much the same straits as the, uh, the the third block in that this fight's been going on all fucking night. Um, but, uh, you, and you see someone like yelling orders to a couple other people, but they just look to be another necrotist. Like they're not, they're not wearing a hat that says plague mage, if that makes yeah. sense. Is there like a fancy tent or a command tent? Because usually in military, there's like a logic to... Excuse me, but like camp setup where it like you can figure out like there's the general if there is one. Um, you don't actually see anything that looks uh, any uh, finer than anything else, but there is some like there's clearly a command cabin just based on its positioning, but it looks no different than the medical cabin or any of the rest of them. But I think based on the way you can observe, if it's like okay, well weapons are kept over there, medics are here. That's if I was building this camp. That's where. Okay, where cool. The, so that's the grand poobah would hang out. I think that's what Duncan could realistically figure out in that amount of time. Great, uh, Gwendolyn, uh, your sword is singing. Yeah, um, I, I'm gonna like uh, take take it out and like, I basically are we on snow? Yeah, you know. Right now, yeah. I'm just going to shove it in the snow and see if that has any impact. Yep. Um, it definitely deafens it. Like, it's okay. it's it's not an ethereal sound. It's it's a sound that's clearly um, coming off of it. Uh, as you so, grasp uh, the hilt, though, in order to do that, um, you, you almost feel um, like a, an electric shock. Um, and it kind of runs up the length of the blade and kind of throughout your entire uh, essence... Uh, since you're soul bonded mm. to the blade, um, is it unpleasant or it, it's it's just like an like a light electric sh- like a, a static shock? Um, okay, so just like a little jolt, um, and uh, for a moment you feel extraordinarily excited, and you feel a tremendous amount of anticipation. Um, and as you stuff it into the snow, uh, you think you hear the word "finally." All right, um, Duncan. Yes, I princess. This, I think I think I think the sword just said finally to me, um, or to itself, or um, but I feel really really good when I hold it. Um, so I don't know if it wants to like kill things or like c- go back to someone here. I don't know. All right. Well. My guess would be the sword that's killed so many Necrotists is probably excited to kill more Necrotists. And my other thought is, don't give that sword to anyone. We don't actually know who's organizing what here. We can't really trust anyone. I trust you and I trust Maka. Right. Somewhere Vivaldi's feelings are crushed. (laughs) (laughs) I like Vivaldi, but I cannot trust him because he's been trapped here for 30 years. We're the only people I know were real a week ago. 
That's true. At least I hope it's true. So I've, um, spot, I've spotted a command tent, and I look over, and Mark is just like crawling back. So you can all have this. Uh, also, I will say, Duncan, um, you didn't hear the sword say anything. I assumed. Okay, yeah. cool, good, good. I'd also it's making, it's that making noise, but yeah, yeah, it didn't, it didn't do anything. Great. Uh, so, Maka, you you return to the group. I am seeing behavior of a mortal. Grief, panic, sadness. Well, what happened inside there? Like, what did they do? The orc tried to reassemble the elf's head. Hmm. It appears he failed and was grief-stricken by this failure. So the emotion was human, or or I guess lifelike. Mortal. But but the act of healing and the things that were in that place seemed perverse, or some sort of change on what you would think of as healing or magic. There was no magic inherent to the process, it seems... It was just physical tools, body parts, hmm. paste, and sutures. Are you saying they'd, like, try to sew an arm back on if that was a thing? Or, like, what body parts could you see? Many, many body parts. Seems unnatural, even if it is natural. Then again, we don't know that the Necritus' soldiers are necessarily entirely undead. Maybe there's a living portion. Quick catch up on our end. The sword is coming to life and apparently has started, it's only said a word, but it's starting to talk, which is concerning. Uh, mm. And I'm pretty sure that's the command tent just based on watching the camp. So whoever is in charge is probably in there. But we don't know what's making the sword sing. We can cover it up and it gets quieter, but we don't know. I know now that there is just the orc in that building there. If you wish to... Hmm question him. Can you understand their language? No. To me it just sounds like hissing. Hmm. I guess we'll never know if we don't try. Mm-hmm. Shall we organize an ambush? It'll let us know if the sword gets louder. We can cover it in some stuff and if it gets too loud we test it in a tent with only one guy in it who's real sad. Yes. Bury it in his body. Hmm. That's not great for interrogation. Maybe we should, like, wrap it in a coat for a minute. Mm. Yes. Ooh, that's perfect. I have, I have two cloaks. And I just, like, whip off my, like, outer cloak and, like, wrap it around it. Uh, you remember uh, in your childhood, uh, Duncan once gave you tremendous amounts of shit about your mathematics because you just hated the idea of like dealing with math and abstracts and finally he just like drilled you on like all right if you have one cloak and i give you like if i you have one fucking thing and i give you another fucking thing it's how many things you're like two things he's like there you go so weirdly (laughs) you're just like incredibly smug about having the second cloak thing sorted now uh it's just one of those weird like you'll always spite your parents for something they don't remember but you do so it's like i have two like look over at Duncan cloaks <laughs> <laughs> all right so wrap him around the sword I don't know why this is taking so long I'm doing it <laughs> so you wrap uh, you wrap the blade um, and now it's like a like a quiet hum like like a phone yeah. on on vibrate that is still audible but not mm. not as bad as a ringer 
Um, okay, so the three of you make your way um, into the camp uh, towards the uh, the medical cabin, um, and um, uh, just as you're starting to approach, you can see uh, the the orc kind of like uh, moving towards the door with uh, with the elf over his shoulder. Uh, if he's coming to the doorway, uh, Maka will uh, just charge at him into the, and just like try and tackle him into the back into the building. Okay. Sure. Um, he looks up, uh, and uh, his eyes go wide in surprise as you impact <laughs> into him and drive him back into the. Uh, like, I'm not gonna make your roll because he he's carrying a corpse and, and is sad. <laughs> so this is a. Uh, so he slams back into the table. The body falls off. All the like arms and legs and other like organs and things just kind of like tremble on their hooks. Um, and he uh, he kind of like um, reaches uh, for I guess. Uh, the closest thing's probably a needle that he was using earlier. So he grabs the needle and he tries to like jam it into the side of your head. What do you do? Uh, I'm gonna. If I'm on top of him, then uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'll just raise like my forearm to like block his arm, okay. uh, and then try and hold his hand down. Cool. What's your AC? Uh, Nineteen. Oh baby, I rolled a nineteen. Um, so it's a 19 plus uh, stuff. So uh, just take uh, three points of damage as he jams this this like big. We're talking like a leather needle, not like a. I'm good to sew fabric. It's like a. I'm good to sew meat. Um, so he jams <laughs> jams it into your arm. It it hurts, but it's obviously not much. Um, and then you're able to force his his yeah, hand to the ground. Uh, I'm going to be in right behind him to gag the orc so he can't just, like, yell sure. yeah, shit, yeah, which would be disastrous. So then we'll do, I imagine, our quick, like, tie him up. He's gagged. I'll stand by the door during this interrogation, but I imagine it's not a big room. Also, I hate the corpse parts, so I'm just, like, ready to tag out. I want to yeah. fight the necrotist. I don't want to learn how you attach an arm <laughs> to a dead person and they fight again. Yeah, if, if I... I don't know if I can feel sick to my stomach, but I feel like I'm kind of like. Yeah, I think as, as we discussed with like the uh, the smells coming off of uh, the phantom nausea. Yeah, yeah, it's it's literally it's not um, an olfactory thing. It's just like it, it's like your whole aura is like pulsating. Yeah, it, it's that. But if that was rippling across your entire being, um, and I think visually that's just the armor being like. Just like lurching in little ways, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, you do note though that nothing in here smells. There's no smell of of rot or it's it just Mm. smells cold. Um, Everything, all the flesh seems dead. That's concerning for Maka. No rot. Mm. Um, But you can. It doesn't feel empty like the the forge. So um, you can kind of feel again. It's like you can feel the presence of um, you can feel the presence of the cluster, but it's not your cluster. Hashtag your cluster. I want to look across at the orc and just go. If you can understand common, nod your head three times. Does he? Does he respond? Uh, Nod your head three times if you understand common. Um, He struggles. uh, He struggles for a moment. And then um, nods. It's like he's struggling to remember. Well, that's convenient. Okay, you guys can talk to him then. I don't think you need dwarvish or elvish. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll just pull the gag down just under his chin so that he can speak. 
and I will just say, uh, Hello. <laughs> My name is Maka Deathcap. What is your name? Um, and sorry, Ryan, you took the gag out? I Maka did. Maka I did. gag down under his chin. Um, so he, it can seem kind of like work his jaw a bit, and he's like, this one's name was Johannes Vandermoot. And you can still kind of hear the echo of, of multiple voices, but it is mm. distinctly common. This one. Hmm. Is this who I am speaking to now? Am I speaking to Johannes? Yes, we... The Necrotus is a collective of a sort, but we have regained our intelligence. Mm. I have not needed a name in some time. Mm. Johannes, we come to the Bone Spars to cease this endless war. Is that something you and your people would like? They will Peace. never leave us alone. They will see us meet the true death. We simply want to live. Hmm. But one cannot live forever, Johannes. It is not natural. No, but is what we are fated to do. It is not our choice. It was not our choice to become this. But it is our choice to live, even in undeath. Duncan is starting to get very paranoid looking at the door because he's picked up on the collective mind thing, yeah. and that is making him very nervous about this conversation. Yeah, you really hate it when that horn blows again. <laughs> oh, the horn blows? Yep, but okay. it sounds it sounds twice in a row. Uh... Collective mind, friends, might mean that the rest of them know we're having a conversation with this one. I don't think we're hidden anymore. Maybe jam something in his brain and we can go to a different tent. Uh, I, I guess, I, and I, I just take out the blade. Just this. Um, his, his eyes kind of go wide. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, Laura, what are you doing with the blade? Do you just have it out? I just have it out, like looking to Declan, I'm like, this? <laughs> Does it sound any different, Tom? What happens when she takes it out of two cloaks? Uh, so she takes it out of the two cloaks. Um, it's, it's just one cloak. I still have another one. I'm still fashionable. Uh, <laughs> well, you said you were going to use two. Uh, you're holding You're holding the blade, um, Gwendolyn, uh, and uh, you kind of like hold it out uh, to Duncan kind of in, in questioningly. Um, and then in its in the sort of the the the, the slickness of the blade, um, you think you can see a smile. In uh, the blade? Yes, in the the sort of um, oh. slick reflection of the blade. Um, well, the sword seems happy. I, I think it wants me to do it. It is. Uh, this, this is the fun part of D&D, which is Ryan as a player is like, don't give the sword what it wants. But Duncan as a character is like, absolutely, it's a sacred sword of Elos. All right, and I just jam it. I jam it right in the orc's eye. Um, he, I try. His jaw drops as you as you do it, uh, and he, he looks in just, like, astonishment. 
um, and then his his uh, body um, begins to uh, his face begins to crumble um, and uh, and turn to ash, uh, and slowly the rest of his body does the same, and the uh, the breastplate and the sort of armbands and everything else just kind of clink to the ground. Is this process happening with the elf soldier? Nope. Just the orc. Hmm. Well, it worked. That is quite the blade, your the, highness. The blade begins to get quieter. Still singing, but less so. Uh, also, the um, the coloring begins to, to fade. It begins to look more and more like metal again. Hmm. We should run now, yes. Hmm. I'd agree with that decision pretty heartily. Uh, okay, they're coming I, back. I cover the sword back up. They're coming yeah. back from the battlefield. They know we're in the camp. They theoretically know we're in this tent. First, we've got to get out of this tent. Normally, I'd say we need to be somewhere they don't know, but it's a collective mind. But we also have time limit. I, I don't know what to do, Maka. What's your gut say? We go back the way we came. Hmm? Go to the Dawnbreaker camp. Hmm? Connect with them. If the battle is ending, then the soldiers will return. Hmm? Yes. All right, we'll go back the way we came through the woods. You seem concerned, Gwendolyn. Your mask, your helm is shifting side to side. (laughs) I can't see facial expressions. (laughs) It's like, well, if if the battle's ending, is it... I mean, does that mean the Dawnbreaker's lost? If this battle keeps repeating, the Dawnbreakers have never won. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Back, Back there, then. So you book it out of the uh, the cabin just as uh, the forces of the Necrotists begin to to rush back into their camp. Um, Gwendolyn, your sword begins to sing again, um, but you wrap it in a single cloak so you stay fashionable. Um, and um, you, uh, the three of you, make a hasty escape. episode of Curse Code and Crown Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc, Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network. 
where fiction producers flourish.